Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Uh, hi everyone, this is George. Um, I just wanted to uh, quickly say that this is probably going to be the last time you hear my voice for the next 35 or 40 minutes or so. Uh, Liam's not done editing the episode, but from what he told me, and I haven't heard it in a while, but from what he told me, apparently he just, uh, will not, uh, STFU, um, during our episode on A Child is Waiting. So, uh, here's just a friendly reminder to, uh, rate, review, and subscribe wherever possible, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, follow us, do all that stuff that people do on instant on a uh, social media. Stop laughing! Stop laughing! Uberbusters. I'm gonna have to do this all over again. And uh, once again, thank you to Kevin McLeod, who is not is not a Highlander, despite the name <laughs> from Incompetech. So dot com. So thank you, Kevin, for the music. Fuck. Yeah, of course. I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Fragopoulos. And this is... Hoover Busters. And we are discussing... A Child is Waiting. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, no, at least... Okay, we're back. So there is, but I... Not, it's not, because I cut. I should have paused. I did. I screwed it up. So, um... Fuck. A Child is Waiting... A child Wait, waiting for what? is waiting. John, uh, John, John Cassavetes. John, Johnny, 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 Johnny Staccato. Um, We're actually going to try to uh, get in contact, right, with the spirit of John Cassavetes? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming just perpetually drunk and, well, I was going to say heaven, but definitely hell. No. Why is John Cassavetes <laughs> in hell? Because he was an artist, George? <laughs> Cause he, yeah, because he's an artist. Because <sighs> he suffered for his art. Ugh, God, I'm out of here. All the best artists are in hell. Really? Who yeah. else? Uh, Picasso. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Michael Bay. Michael Bay, uh, a hell of his own making. Oh, if you ask the me, Transformers films. Yeah, also a hell of a. Do you feel like when this when also this, a hell of a good time when this show comes out, and uh, like you know we have millions of listeners. Do you think someone's gonna be like, hey, Mike? There's these two dudes that are just throwing shade at you. All <laughs> and then the he's time. gonna drone strike us because I have a feeling that he has access to oh, drones. Oh God! Yeah. Oh God! Why didn't we see that's, this coming? That's especially Michael since Bay. he made that like Benghazi movie. Of course, yeah. Starring uh, Jack what Ryan, you, Ted, Ted, not Ted Krasinski. 
Ted Kaczynski <laughs> starring the Unabomber. Unabomber Ted Kaczynski. That would be the, that would be actually a Michael Bay film. Like Didn't they do a Unabomber mini mini series? I'm sure they did. Um, Manhunt Unabomber yeah. starring uh, Avengers yeah. Paul Bettany. You know what? You know what that Benghazi film couldn't do though, right? Is uh, wash the wash the blood off of Killary's hands. Am I right? <laughs> You know, you've, kill, you've, re- you've really changed since you've got that back injury <laughs> Killary, in Fox News. Killary Kilton? Killary Clinton. What do they call kill, her on Fox News? Killary. Killary. I've never watched it. Kilton. I've never watched Fox Which, News. Yeah, the first part of it makes sense. The first the part of part, Fox News? No, no, no. I was going to say that name. The second part, not so much. I don't know. The pun doesn't work. It doesn't, but I don't know if we really expected our our pun our good our good puns or punditry from Fox News. So you know who's waiting? Not only just a child, but our listeners, but our listeners for us to get. So let's talk about a child, a child is waiting. waiting. Child is waiting. Nineteen sixty two. The last studio film. The last studio film by John Cassavetes, yeah. produced by Stanley Kramer, who. Um, uh, I think uh, brought the film to him. He didn't. This is he had no participation in the screenplay of this thing. But my understanding is that there was a little bit again of a clash between him and the studio. So apparently, there on this the film, edits. he was really into improvisation. He He's really wanted to uh, make a, a film that uh, he improvisation and. Uh, but he was dealing with a very, very different environment. I feel there's a there's a still a little there's a little freedom in Too Late Blues. There's some digressions. There's the baseball scene. There's some other stuff going on. This movie is not like that. It's not at all. Well, it's definitely a studio. It's a studio product. film. So let me just read. The cast, by the way, is amazing. The cast is amazing. Let me read my first note to you, please do. Which is the lion scared the shit out of me <laughs> because. I had my headphones jacked up uh, and that MGM logo, and like they really mixed that thing high. Yeah, I jumped like ten fucking feet. I jumped ten fucking feet at literally <laughs> one of the most iconic <laughs> images in I was the twentieth like, century. You know it's coming. Yeah, when you see that lion, you're like, oh cool, it's gonna roar. And I was like, oh fuck uh-huh. me. Like I, Emily was like, what's wrong? And I was like, there's a lion at the beginning of this movie. Did you, did you know about this lion? She, she was like. <laughs> I'm going to go back to watching something else. She's like, he's literally appeared in hundreds of other films. That lion is... Do you think he got paid scale? <laughs> I think he got paid in meat. Oh, I see. Ah, I scaled see. meat. I see what he did there. Oh. What the fuck? Scaled meat. So, you, so, so the lion scared you. The lion scared me. But then I was even more awed and scared by the incredible cast uh, yeah. of this film. And how can Bert you... Burt ha- Lancaster, who is apparently who won... Who John? Why do I do that? Mm. Uh, jo- uh, mm. Kissing the mic, just making out. With- <laughs> Liam, stop making well. out with the mic. <laughs> John, uh, Burt Lancaster apparently was who he wanted for Too Late Blues. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But was that in the John Cassavetes in the John Cassavetes textbook? Yeah, uh, yeah, Wikipedia. No, I think that's who it was. Um, but uh, yeah, um, jo- uh, it's uh, Burt Lancaster as uh, Mr. Clark, the 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 sort of the principal or the uh, of a of a progressive school for kids with um, mental disabilities. Sorry, there, I thought we were gonna make a. Uh, I thought we were going with the lion thing. Bert Lancaster <laughs> is the principal. <laughs> the the uh, attractive, sultry, uh, statuesque, great hair in that great, movie. Oh my god! Just I incredible. want that hair. I kind of have that hair. I, I want that hair, Liam. Fair I enough. want that hair. Fair enough. Um. So, uh, Bert Lancaster. <laughs> I thought you insert would, bald joke here. I thought we were you going to go with the lion thing was going to just make some sort of Wizard of Oz joke because mm-hmm. of uh, the lovely Judy Garland. Judy who's in this Garland. Film. And how can you have Judy Garland in the film and wait 90 minutes to get her to sing? Because she eventually That's does crazy. sing. But it's not even that great. The but singing is even that great. Uh, yeah, it's an hour. It's weird also because when she sings, she's like, hey, guys, 
do you want to hear a song from the wizard of oz a film i was in and everyone's like what and that was a john cassavetti's touch he wanted this to be a movie about a washed up judy garland it's very meta going to work at a at a at a school for for intellectually disabled i didn't also realize that she died uh that young she's very young yeah she looks a little older she looks a little older in here yeah so it's burt lancaster uh judy Judy Garland. garland um Giving what I think is the best performance in the entire film, correct? Gina Rowlands. Oh, the, as the mom. Gina Sorry, Rowlands. I you said G- um, she was in yeah. Shadows, but this would probably be her most proper. She has a substantial a role in this one. Debut in this film, Lawrence Tierney. Who uh, the only thing that I could think of uh, that I've seen Lawrence Tierney in besides this is not surprisingly Reservoir Dogs. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he plays her second husband, which correct. we'll address. Um, anybody else in this movie? No. Uh, Marilyn Clark, no, who's else. briefly in... Um, there's no other actors. <laughs> Marilyn Clark, there's who's no, briefly ironically, in... Ironically, there's no children in A Child is Waiting. They're just standing around That's really weird. Where are the children? There's something called adults are waiting. Um, Mario Gallo, who plays the studio tech in Too Late Blues, plays a sort of... A man who visits this children's hospital. Let's talk... Or this children's school, I should say. It's not a hospital. So, Let's talk about what this movie's about. It's about a little boy named Rupert. Ruben. Gr- Ruben. Ruben. <laughs> no. It's a, so prequel it's, a, it's a prequel to, <laughs> to so it's Rupert's a little, uh, life story. A Child is Waiting is about a boy named Reuben, Reuben, who in the opening scene, in the very powerful opening scene, Correct. is dropped off at a children's school by his father. Um, what's significant about this scene is that um, it's very unclear. It becomes very clear, I should say, to uh, the audience that uh, Reuben does not know that he's being left there because his father drives off after Reuben gets out of the car. He's led out of the car to a cool little to- um, cool little toy by Burt Lancaster, who then holds him when Reuben loses his mind as his father drives off. So the first scene, we see Reuben being left at this children's school. And then we have opening titles that I'm pretty sure were done by David Fincher and Trent Reznor. Because <laughs> yes, they are the scariest <laughs> goddamn opening titles. I'm glad you mentioned this. Well, no, they look Like they the look kid creepy. from The Omen drew yes. these pictures. And then there's like kids singing over it. It's almost like a really scary version of the perhaps, opening of You Can't Always Get What You Want. Yeah, or perhaps it's like, Rosemary's Baby. Today. <laughs> like what? Yeah, or Rosemary's Baby. Which I actually... Absolutely Absolutely terrifying. I still have the DVD. Uh, thank you, Brooklyn Public Library, by the way. Uh, I actually have the DVD. Because this is... I, Liam, actually, it's technically, yes, now in Liam's possession. I can't take anything out of the Brooklyn Public Library until I pay my $14 in fees so on what? a Jean-Luc Godard book, I Am a Stereotype. This is why we can't have full-blown communism, because of people like you, Liam. Were we talking about the creepy, uh, the creepy opening? Creepy opening titles. Oh, yes, I want to go back and kind of... You're, uh, you're right, just... Uh, overlay the music from seven the credits oh, from seven so fucking creepy man <laughs> on these drawings because isn't there also like the, the creepy child like or the, there's the a chi- creepy the drawing ch- and there's like and a little the kid like I then my dad right. me to and like it's just very it's a little insensitive and it's actually a, a thing that I would that a, an issue that I would draw with this entire movie and listen we're looking through sort of the lens Correct. of 2018 again when we look at a movie from 1962 but for a movie that in a way is fairly progressive about issues related to ki- children with disabilities. People spend a lot of time in this movie gaping at disabled kids. So I'm glad you said that too because I was watching this and my partner was coming in and out of the room and at some point... She the dog? Uh, no. Marty? <laughs> Mar- yeah, Marty was like, this film is kind of exploited. Now we should note that George's partner has specifically requested that she, she not be named. Yeah. So <laughs> was walking around. Oh, fuck. She saw- We're going to bleep that out. <laughs> she saw and she was like, this movie's kind of exploited. And I was like, 
Yeah, there are definitely moments where the camera lingers in it a very kind of problematic way. It is because the movie uses kids with actual disabilities. Which is fine, um, but I think the way in which uh, they're presented, yeah, it's very, it, it can be... It does seem a little groundbreaking, though. I, don't, I, don't f- I would guess this hadn't happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so, that, so it's interesting. And then I think the thing... So after you see this boy dropped off and these uh, terrific... Uh, Andrew Kevin Walker scripted David Fincher titles. Uh, we're introduced to um, uh, Judy Garland. Judy Garland, whose character's name is Mrs. Hansen. I believe so. Let's go with that. <laughs> and she, I li- uh, she I has shown up film, for like an interview uh, with Burt Lancaster, Correct. Mr. Clark, played by Burt Lancaster, about a job. Um, and she's and like a former. She like is Juilliard. a failed musician. She's a failed musician. So another failed musician. She gets hired with no experience, and uh, he basically is like, have you ever taught before? And she's like, nope. And he's like, have you you ever taught music before? And she's Mm. like, nope. And he's like, have you ever worked with kids before? And she's like, what are kids? And then he's like, yeah. (laughs) So clearly, and this actually speaks to another issue that I have with the movie, is that there's a lot of talk, and we'll get to this, there's a lot of talk about... um, his unorthodox methods. I don't bit, think Burn Lang. I think Burn sh- Burn like Lancaster's only is that he's stern. He's stern. That seems to be the problem. Stern, Lo- and Lancaster. so Judy Garland gets hired, Miss and Hansen, very yeah. quickly, uh, Ruben, the boy from the beginning of the film, becomes obsessed with her. Won't leave her side, and they become very, very, very close. And then a little bit of time. The, there's sort of the first act. I would say ends um, at a moment where Ruben brings. Uh, Judy Garland to uh, her home, uh, to his to his bunk room, yes. and it's it, we're we're led to believe that it's been a couple of years that he's been here, and he asks her to write to his mommy and daddy, and then we cut forward in time, right? Because um, I think yeah, it's like and they're two closer years? now. Somebody yeah. later on says like, oh, Ruben's been here for two or four the years. Ruben's parents haven't come to visit in two years. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that there's a jump in time of two years. She hasn't been there, employed there for two years, but maybe a few weeks after she after Ruben asks her to write to his mom and dad, um, uh, Ruben. Um, Ruben, um, uh, so time jumps forward, and um, we now have a scene where it's a Wednesday afternoon at the school, and all the, and all the parents come to visit, and there's a monster. It's actually a pretty powerful sequence where some of the kids' parents show up. They try to tip one of the nurses, which I thought was, was really, really tragic awkward, and yeah. awkward. Um, there is a there's a, a family, an African American family, mm-hmm. where I cringed a little because I was like, oh, the only African American family in this movie has there's like 18 yeah. kids. Felt, but then not, it's addressed later. It, it's, it's addressed in a in a in a more nuanced way later. But it felt a little like uh, Wait, not what's to be the nuanced way. I've total, I well, totally not that there's nuance later. But later, the the uh, Burt Lancaster references the mom with nine kids, who you think would not be able to like handle this, but mm. is probably the best parent of any of like very devoted to uh, her, her is son. That, is that like right before the uh, pageant? Something. It's somewhere around there. So I totally also forgot. But there's this there's this hilarious line where I think one of the other secretaries says of like Judy Garland, like, oh, she's just like a single woman in her thirties looking for troubles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah something lines. like that. She went to Brooklyn once. Can you believe she's single? Crazy. Yeah. So you got what this is wrong whole, with this woman? Is what this whole sequence where um uh so there's this whole scene. So where that's where the Wednesday scene, and Wednesday Ruben's parents, parents don't come. Ruben's parents don't come. He's standing there, and then Judy Garland's like, "Oh, where are Rudy?" <laughs> and that was one of the scenes I, I texted you earlier, jokingly that I thought this film was a masterpiece, mm-hmm. which I hate that expression, but also this movie is not a masterpiece. Um, but it's really a tragic scene when there's these kids and their parents don't show up, and, no, and they're sort of standing there. It's really hard to watch. So this is the, so this is also. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about what happens in the rest of the film, but this is also interesting because 
this is where Kramer and Cassavetes had apparently like the real falling out where Cassavetes basically said like, oh, the film you see is a kind of more sentimentalized version of the film that I wanted to make. And one of the thing, interesting things that the John Cassavetes textbook said was that apparently Cassavetes said something along the lines of like, oh, there's nothing wrong with these kids. It's the adults in their, in their lives that are really fucked up. And that's not the film that he was able to make. So the film he made is the film that kind of like sentimentalizes both all of these characters and kind of like but Judy it's Garland's there. It's actually one of the central conflicts of the movie in that Burt Lancaster wants these kids to be in a place where they're going to be supported. And Judy Garland is like, no, they need to be part of the outside world with their parents. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's there in the conflict a little bit. That idea that like normality versus whatever disability is, is sort of a, a theme of the movie. So, I mean, I see John Cassavetes' point, but it's also like, no, you got that in the movie. It's a little sentimental. Well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think where it ends up, though, is this kind of really sentimental. Maudlin. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also obviously a detriment of the film. Oh, sure. Um, however, I think that there are there's something interesting, um, you know, if we're, we're drawing parallels. This is oeuvre busters, not single movie busters. But of course. But um, once we find out that Ruben's parents haven't visited in two years, Judy Garland decides to get her hand on Ruben's file. Mm-hmm. And this sort of triggers a flashback's back sequence. Flashback. 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 A flashback sequence. 1992, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, triggers a flashback sequence in which we meet Ruben's parents. And Ruben's mother is played by the great... Gina Rollins. Gina Rollins, who... Um, these are the most powerful scenes in the movie for me. When, when so just the two of them and their young parents. And Ruben is laying in his crib and Judy Garland is taking... I mean, Gina Rollins is taking care of him and the dad comes home from work and she asks him like, why can't he crawl or walk or whatever? And maybe it's my place in life right Mm -hmm. now, but I was like, Oh, (laughs) this movie is killing me. I wrote down that the parents seems scenes felt very real. Yeah. No, that is a good scene. Yeah. It's a very good scene. And, and obviously they pull it off as actors. Um, and I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think it's kind of over, sentimentalized not at all and i think that there's a there's a there's again a power there is a power to this scene um you know the question why can't he walk like the other kids is and you see this kid laying there but it's so that was me just sorry i was just starting my motorcycle (laughs) and then I gotta do this. I gotta do the rest of this on your Ducati. <laughs> yeah, I am. That's amazing. I, I wanted to comment that you just have that be parked here in the middle of your living room, but well, I do like circles. I thought that, that was just um, not a polite thing to do. I am your guest. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, I know it's true. Um, so I I found it very moving, and again, it's a nice moment where she's like, "Why can't he crawl? Like the kid down the block, down the street can crawl." And and I think a movie that was more controlled by John Cassavetes, you'd you'd have this thing playing under like this sort of feeling that there's something wrong with Ruben playing underneath, but in Stanley Kramer fashion, um, there's like a little bit of like, he's fine. Like there's, it's sort of, I feel like there's a, it's over explained. It's over talked about. I don't know that in a John Cassavetes movies, they would outright express this stuff, at least at this era of his career. Though I think we should come back to this movie when we talk about a woman under the influence Ah. for a couple reasons. One reason is because they both deal with like, one much more successful than the other with the idea of like, are people insane or is the society that, that is created around them insane? Which obviously a woman under the influence handles that in a much, a, a much more dynamic way. Um, 
you know, have you seen A Woman Under the Influence? I've not. I'm actually uh, well, really excited to see it because one, I know it's one of the best. Or it's considered one, one of the, the hardest ones. to watch. But, um, you know, there's a whole idea that like, well, I don't want to, I want you to watch it. But, I, but a central idea of it is, to me at least, is like our, what is insanity or what is disability? Like there's a whole idea of like the, um, the other in John, I would say, you know, there's a whole idea of like, you know, intellectual disability, some kind of insanity, some kind of mental issue for John Cassavetes. I don't think, I think he's very much an individualist. I think he's like, no, it's not people. It's the the, the society and the society they occupy. And that movie deals with this perhaps in a less successful way than, and also the presence of Gina Rowlands, who's Mm -hmm. Jenna Rowlands, who's the, just the, fucking best she's awesome she's, she's incredible she's in this, in this movie um and she's only on screen for about 15 minutes 15 20 total. minutes she's amazing but i um i also think uh it's interesting and very hollywood that not hollywood but they did not so the, the there's the kid uh, ruben in the movie is not does not have what you would describe as the classic symptoms of mental retardation he doesn't he doesn't appear to have Down syndrome. He doesn't have like the sort of that thing that he we seems commonly to only associate. have like a speech impediment and some kind of intellectual disability. But you know, it's interesting if there was any discussions about working with a kid who is more extreme in that regard. It's an interesting question of representation in the movie. I'm sure that that wouldn't that wouldn't have flown, but yeah, um, it's an interesting kind of thing. And then there's and then, so this is, and then there's a the scene, the picnic scene. So the picnic scene. Yeah. So we, we, we sort of see Ruben's diagnosis. We see his father drop him off. And it does this nice beginning. thing where it, it cuts to it this, this flashback sequence that begins with concerns about Ruben, Ruben's diagnosis, and then Ruben being dropped off at the hospital at the, the I'm sorry, the, the school. Um, the final shot of this flashback is the first shot of the movie, which is a great opening shot. The first shot of this movie, the first scene of this movie is phenomenal, but the first shot of this movie is if the rest of the movie had been as strong as that opening shot. Mm. A chef's ma- kiss a masterpiece perhaps uh masterpiece but then we flash then we we move back to where the present present tense presence present yeah the present the present um at a picnic and this is a moment all the kids are at a picnic and this is They're where a good time. like burke Lancaster and judy garland kind of have like a moment together. they bond they yeah, eat hot they dogs bond. and drink coke and a weird love triangle emerges because ruben an, comes over and it gets very edible ruben's like watching judy garland yeah. shaking his head disapproving a little bit of, a little bit of like um the mother again mother and the whore thing mother and the whore yeah. in the sense that like there's a mom in this and there's a whore in two late blues <laughs> it's like a, well in the sense that like he's still playing he kind of plays the perception of this kid in those archetypes that yeah. kid's looking for a mom but totally and again the sentimental thing or the sentimental arc is where clearly judy garland becomes the mom to she does because uh jenna Rollins' character rollins 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 get at us twitter she comes back uh towards the end of the film when why does she oh the, uh judy garland writes to her Judy Garland's writes to Jenna Rowland because like, hey. she really wants Ruben to see his mom. Correct. But she doesn't like, tell. She tells him that he's sick. He's sick or something. That he she needs to come. And she does. And we should note. That's th- also really. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We should note that at the end of the picnic scene, um, everyone gets driven back to the school. And Burt Lancaster watches Judy Garland walk in with Ruben. And the camera lingers on him looking concerned or suspicious. And in the next scene, we find out that she's been reassigned to a new um, she's been reassigned to a new, new, new sort of uh, children's house. One of the, the she's been working in the house that Ruben lives in, and now she's in a different place. So that right. sort of sets up a conflict. And very soon after that, um, there's a scene where 
Judy Garland asks why she's been moved and John uh, Burt Lancaster tells her like you're too close to this kid which I agree with like mm-hmm. their relationship in this entire movie is inappropriate uh, I agreed it's not yeah it's, like, it's I was kind of like from the beginning like ooh okay yeah. lady come on like I mean I know you, and that makes them that that you know from a traditional standpoint that that's something that makes the movie work less well for me I don't I believe that she's a little un- unbalanced. Did you also, by the way, notice? Uh, I don't know if it's in that. I don't think it's in that scene. But there's uh, there's this one scene where they're in the classroom. And did you notice what was written on the blackboard? I was like, is Jack Torrance a student of this school? On the blackboard, written repeatedly, it says, we'll kill the old red rooster when she comes. And it's written like five or six times across no, his back. I didn't back. notice that. <laughs> across his blackboard. Weird. I was like, that's creepy. Wow. Yeah, I did not notice that. Something I did notice, if we're pausing to notice things that we noticed, is um, uh, Judy Garland is almost entirely lit with very soft light in this movie. Ah. Even in scenes where everyone else is lit in like much more natural light. Is that a request? It'll be like it'll be like Burt Lancaster, and you'll see his features and his jawbone and all these things, and then it'll cut to Judy Garland, and she's like basically an, an angel. She's like, it's like you don't see any of her skin. I don't know. I mean, we talked about how she looks a little older. Is it her request? I'm not sure, but it does not match. And it drove me a little nuts because I do think it was probably a request. Yeah. I bet she was like, no, I don't want my 45-year-old self to be... I don't know. It's an interesting kind of thing. So uh, she writes a letter to Ruben's mother, played by Jenna Rowlands. That's what we're going with. Yeah, why not? We should look that up before a woman under the influence. <laughs> she's really nailed um, down. And uh, she shows up assume, thinking that something is wrong with Ruben. And in fact, there is nothing wrong with Ruben. And she's like, he just wanted to see you. And Jane O'Reilly says, this very powerful scene yes. where she's like, uh, is- do you think because I don't visit my son, I don't love him? And it's a pretty powerful moment because she's she like, gives- I do love him, yeah. but I need him to be taken care of. Right. And then she gives us impassioned yeah, speech about, oh, do you know what it's like to kind of take care of a child like this? Do you know what it's like to take care and of him in different parts of his life? It's powerful because this, you know, this movie is a little bit like trying to get a message out there. And this is the only scene where it doesn't feel like... Correct. Yeah. Like the labored because well, she's, she's such awesome. a good yeah, actress. Yeah, she totally fucking nails it. Um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really good. Um, and again, the wrong person in the scene is Judy Garland. Everyone is like, "Why did you call his mother? She doesn't want to see him." And in fact, he sees her and uh, Ruben sees her and he loses his mind, which leads to him actually uh leaving the facility. He, right, he runs, runs away. away and is sort of like out by himself overnight. Well, this and there's also this, this pretty hilarious scene where Ruben comes across these other kids playing a football game, mm-hmm. another great like impromptu sporting event mm-hmm. in, in the Casavetti's film. But did you notice how like the one kid gets hurt and they literally like drag him off the field and then they point to Ruben like, "Hey, you come in." Yeah, that's like, It's your turn. That's and he just kind of like gets in there and he, he doesn't really know what he's and doesn't doing. know what he's doing. He and tackles a kid, so he does like good there. Yeah, and then but he gets, then he doesn't know how to hike the ball. Right, and he gets yeah, he gets like again kicked off the field. But it's this hilarious scene where they like drag the corpse of this kid. Yeah, like, hey, is, you come back you're, you're good to go do you feel like this is um so, I, so up to this point i have to say i was pretty taken by this movie but i would say that around the point when ruben um runs away is when it really started to fall apart for me and part of that is i think because like there's 20 minutes of this movie where you forget that judy garland is in it mm-hmm. because it switched shifts more to burt lancaster it shifts more to ruben it shifts more to ruben's family like all of a sudden, you're like, oh, yeah, she sort of becomes on the peripheral of the movie, which is good because she's been wrong the entire movie. Right. Her, her, She doesn't know what she's talking about. I got to be honest. I was kind of bored throughout this entire film. I did check my phone a bunch of times. Um, I was also really... 
I was also really, really happy that the DVD just happened to crap out for a good 10 or 15 minutes of it. So what'd you miss? So did yours not? No, it didn't. Oh, you lucked out. I got the... So I was, did I? I was... Oh, I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Maybe I lucked out. Well, which is exactly what I was saying. I lucked out. No, my mind crapped out for... Like, right at the end of the picnic scene, um, it kind of like... Yeah, it just uh, fucked up. And then I had to skip about 10 or 15 minutes of it. That's crazy. Um, I, I, I had just, no problem. I had to fast so forward you one miss? of the chapters. How would I know? Well, where did you come back? John Cassavetti's uh, textbook it does not actually where have did a you, very what good... Did, where did you come back in? I came back in... 10 or 15 minutes is a lot of this movie. It's only 100 minutes it's, long. It's, a, it's 100 and a half. Uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it was... it was Because it's funny... You should say that too Because I both was bored And then at the end I was like Oh that actually went by Fairly quickly It was like Well yeah, yeah It cut out 10 minutes. 15 minutes You're uh, like wait a minute He had a mom Ruben yeah. had a mom It's like what What's going on Yeah I don't um, it, I, I Honestly Why can't I fucking Remember this film Maybe it's just because like, I did not enjoy it I remember it Because I watched it last night So then it, So then what Just happened? so y'all know I watched it last night So then they have this uh, Ruben's mom has a speech. She leaves, and then the mom. Ruben's, Ruben's mom, mom has got it going on. <laughs> Follow you up. She's dealing with sadness, and she's doing pretty good. The Fountains of Wayne. Thank right? you, thank you, yes. thank you. Earlier, Ben Folds reference. Fountains of Wayne reference. We're really hitting Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, we're living the nineties. Living the nineties. So, All those bands are still around, though. I think. Uh, Nine Inch Nails definitely is. Yeah, and Ben Folds. Yeah, he's rocking the sub suburbs. The, su- the suburbs. I am rocking the, the suburbs. suburbs. I am Ben Folds. I am Ben Folds five. So then, um, yeah, and then the pageant happens. So then the, Judy Garland is getting them ready or getting the, some of the kids ready for this uh, Thanksgiving pageant. Yeah. So Ruben comes back. Ruben, uh, there's this whole sequence where Bert, doesn't Burt Lancaster find him? Burt Lancaster. Well, Bert, the, the police find him, find and then Burt Lancaster goes. Oh, Burt Lancaster goes back to the police station. And that's, where, that's where we see the saxophone player from um, Too Late Blues, pro- presumably not playing the saxophone player say, from yeah. Too Late Blues. Didn't you notice that the it saxophone is in the, in the corner? The, the John Cassavetti Cinematic Universe, where the you, JCCU. He says the Burt Lancaster's character is like, I wish I was playing that saxophone right there. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, yeah, I can't. Uh, I can only do that. On are the you side. walking away? Um, yeah, and meanwhile, or after that, Judy Garland teaches for the first time because she never she teaches does. in this movie. And she, she, or you see her teach for the first time. You see her teach, and the kids, she decides to do a, a Thanksgiving pageant. You know what, Liam? She taught me how to love. <laughs> go, go. Was it, wasn't she teaching throughout so, the entire film? So she's teaching. I mean, we're all teachers, George. Are we not? Not really. Um, so she decides to do a Thanksgiving pageant, cast some of the kids as Indians, cast some of the kids as settlers. We're calling them settlers. Um, and then we jump forward in time. Um, also we spend a little time here with Ruben's parents, Ruben's dad, who's an architect, workaholic back in the picture. Hasn't seen his son in years. Um, goes to visit Gina Rollins while he's missing. And she's like, you need to be more a part of his life. And he's like, I'm going to pay for private care for Ruben we're going to get him out of that school and then he meets with um Burt Lancaster's assistant who in a nice little moment coming much too late in the movie for us to really feel it all that well mm. says that he has a 28 year old daughter with intellectual disabilities yeah well there is also there are moments earlier in the film that uh make him sympathetic like there was the moment remember where he's playing I think football with the kids and they're kind of like chasing him. Well, it's not Burt Lancaster who I'm talking about. I'm talking about his assistant. Oh, he's a 28 year old. Oh, the assistant. That's what right. God, it's fucking he's had three lines in this thing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I got Marty. Can you, can you please? Even Marty's disappointed with me. 
shaking his eyebrows. Marty, please. He's shaking his eyebrows at you. God. Shake your eyebrows podcast with Marty Scorsese. But so... Um, Marty, I'm not the one that made Bring Out the Dead. All right. I like Bringing Out the Dead. How dare you? I, I've never seen it. I'm just talking <laughs> shit. God, this is just getting worse. Like, like a child is waiting. <laughs> this podcast is devolving. You know what our listeners are, listen- are waiting for? At the end. <laughs> so, you know what's interesting is the whole time I release. was like... And listen... This is a progressive movie. I have, n- I, I think it's admirable that it tries to deal with what it deals with, and namely, like probably a time in America when like the, a lot of the issues related to children and disabilities were probably not really taken seriously. This movie sought to bring that into the world, but it plays a little bit like a high school play, which is interesting because it totally. ends with a school play. But I felt like the entire throughout the entire film, it felt like a high school play. Yeah, it felt I like a really did. bad Lifetime movie, it, it and had, that's why it was like I was not convinced about. It mostly it. was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some nice moments, Don't, powerful no. moments, but overall, yeah, a little bit like Lifetime. Definitely Lifetime. powerful moments. Just again, because the and actors I don't are so on Lifetime. I saw Goodfellas on Lifetime once. Uh, Not entirely. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. I saw Goodfellas <laughs> on Lifetime. They once. played it on, on yeah, Lifetime. Yeah, they had, they had this um, thing in the summer that was like Bad Neighbor Week. I shit you not. That's amazing. And they showed Who's Goodfellas. Who's a bad neighbor in Goodfellas? Well, he remember he beats the shit out of his neighbor because the neighbor like takes Lorraine Bracco. Uh, that for is a like ride. the yeah. It's very loose. Like Marty, what? Connection. Marty, what were you thinking when you agreed to? Oh, it was for the money. It was for the money. Ah, he did it for the, the money. money. Mm. So this again, de-evolution. Um, yes, it ends with the school play, and Ruben has a bunch of lines in the play. I don't really understand what he's saying, but he says quite a bit. And it turns out his father is there, and they have a re- reconciliation at the end. And also, um, in addition to this reconciliation, uh, a new boy shows up, and Judy Garland is sent by Burt Lancaster to bring this little boy in thus illustrating that she's become a full-time member of the staff there and is a trusted member of the of the school correct the end the end and that also q terrifying (laughs) pictures no david (laughs) fincher-esque scripted by kevin walker scored by trent reznor sequence it is fucked does it i forget does it go back to the the, the pictures yes it does, right? i didn't sleep last night <laughs> it is nightmare fuel it is gloriously maybe just, inappropriate maybe just blocked it out because it was far too traumatic I fucking woo. so there you go there you, you have it who do you think one of those in? <laughs> that was like stanley kramer's like you put those pictures in we need those a- creepy fucking pictures um like, so j- would you recommend this movie no the end. I'm a bit of a completist. I, I, in some ways, liked it more than Too Late Blues, but I don't... Four or five episodes of Johnny Staccato. Johnny Staccato. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just counting the How Johnny many Johnny Staccatos would you... I would rate this as two Johnny Staccatos, whereas I would rank Too Late Blues as three Johnny three Staccatos Johnny out of a possible 27, because there's 27 episodes of without, Johnny Staccato. Without, without question. Husbands is 26 Johnny Staccatos. No, I, I, listen, I do think it... I, I do think what makes our podcast interesting, if anything, nothing, nothing, nothing. The it's not, us. <laughs> it's not us. What makes us interesting? The, watching everything sequentially, chronologically, and being completist is a fascinating project, and it does. Um, I would never have watched these movies correct. otherwise, and that's why I think. Don't tell me like correct. That. Sorry. Is this, is this, are you still hurt about bringing out the dead? I'm sorry, <laughs> Marty. I'm sorry. Uh, I just wanted to say something hurtful. It's a great. It's a great. Yeah, John, I mean, you could have gone after John Goodman. Right? John Goodman. I have to go Kundu. Uh, Nick Cage. Yeah, Ving Rhames. Is John Goodman in it? it I is, don't right? remember. I haven't Fuck. seen it in 20 years. I've seen it since it came out. I saw it the weekend it came out. 
Anyway, I had a lot of friends in high school. Isn't that the film? That's the film, right? Where Nick Cage, he's, yeah, is a he's, paramedic, right? On, on the on the plane with John Malkovich and uh, yeah, that's correct. And Ving Rhames and Steve Buscemi put the bunny put the in bunny, the box. Put, put the bunny. School down. is hard. Wait, is <laughs> am I remember when he writes a letter to his kids? <laughs> We're talking about Con Air now. School is hard, but you got to keep going. For example, I broke a guy's nose because he like made fun of my wife. I'm a model citizen. Right, that's exactly what prison's like. I mean, that's what I had to do in prison to survive. <laughs> Didn't um, is Ving Rhames also in Con Air? Yeah, he's he Diamond is, Dog. Shit, fucking shared cinematic universe. <sighs> um, the Jerry Bruckheimer cinematic universe. Well, with uh, with Martin Scorsese, the, the great. Oh, he, he's dead again. <laughs> dead again. Um, he's been listening so you to would us, not recommend why. watching this not, movie? Maybe for only for completists. Okay, I for completists, yes. For everyone else, no. Um, but it's, if thematic, where do you, where do you just watch fine, fine. Um, well, we're not watching all five episodes of Johnny Staccato that he directed, you're li- or you're are lost. we? I mean, I already did. Really? Yeah. Mind- Man, you've had a great Yom Kippur week. <laughs> um, just me and Johnny Staccato. So, uh, you know, not to, you know, we should probably wrap this up because God, God. but, um, do, I'm, where I'm do exhausted. you, uh, thematically, uh, do you see, what do you see of John Cassavetti's? What do you? Where do, what, I mean, I mentioned the. Well, the, the focus on family, I think, is interesting, mm-hmm. and obviously, non-traditional know, families. Yeah, well, husbands for. Well, yeah, I mean, I think about like the fa- both how husbands is not about family and very much also about family. It's about the absence of family, and one can clearly also make the argument that Too Late Blues is also about a family. Yeah. And, uh, that again, like, kind of falls out. They have this falling out, and this kind of reconciliation at the end. So. Those kind of connections, I think, are are there. But yeah, this is clearly not a castle bed. And also, kind of as you said earlier, is kind of the plight of the outcast or the, the plight of the outsider, which is gonna be a big part of what we're gonna look at going forward. Totally. You know, I think there's a lot of questions about conformity and uh, authority and those things coming in the next few movies. But yes, uh, I'd give it a miss unless you're absolutely committed to this thing. And don't tell the Brooklyn Public Library, but I'm going to destroy this DVD. Don't do that. They the physical it's, media, man. It's fucking. This movie's God's fucking. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Um, oh, no, it wasn't. That all right, bad. should we? Is there anything else we want to add to uh, our talk on? Uh, yeah, I, I take everything back, and I'm sorry to anybody listening. Just, we're, we apologize. Uh, we apologize Advanced. after the fact. Um, next up, uh, faces. Ooh, faces. Actually, now this is where you get shit excited. Turn back up again. Yes. So we're going faces, and then we got husbands. Let's do it. The Wait, next, no faces. Uh, women fa- under the influence. After no faces. Nineteen uh, faces, no, faces in nineteen sixty-seven, and then husbands. Oh, nineteen seventy. So uh, and then maybe we'll sneak in the dirty. The dozen. dirty does. But maybe we'll save that. I don't know. Which maybe I, we should talk about this off air. Which I told you also was like ground zero for Greek uh, American cinema. Cinema with Telly Savalas and fucking John amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Something better would have been if they t- actually turned to each other and say something in really uh, terrible. Greek. Wait, I'm confused though. Wouldn't Nick Bubalinas be the zenith of Greek American <laughs> cinema? Or the Nader? <laughs> Ooh, Nader. Nader. How do you say it? I think it's Nader. How do you say Ouvra? Ouvra Busters. It doesn't matter. We're gonna find out because we're gonna record our title and we'll get right tweets. now. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Love you're, you. Love you're, you. You're <laughs> don't lie to them. You're Liam Billingham. I'm George Fragopoulos. No, this isn't oh, called me right. by your name. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bobby D did Rocky Bullwinkle though for the art. <laughs> okay, we're, we're back. back. We're back.
back. You thought we were gone, but we're back after George's Rocky and Bowinkle joke. Um, joke. <laughs> lose that. Hi. Term so um, lightly. Oof. Um, so um, since we've launched uh, the show, we've gotten a few. Uh, nice reviews and a, an email or two, and I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about those. Thank you all, by the way. For um, thank you so much, yeah, for for getting on it and um, you know following the show on its various platforms. So um, we have seven ratings on iTunes. Wow, I checked earlier today; there are only six. Yeah, and there uh, we have five stars, seven five star ratings. <laughs> thank you, mom, I sister, can't. other sister, brother, brother in law. I can't. Uh, George's mom. That's a lot of stars. But we also got two written reviews. Let's read. Um, let's read them. So I'll read. I'll read the first one. It's titled "An Ouvre Under the Influence." Ooh. It's by Doubt J, and it's five stars. And it says, "Thorough, thoughtful conversations on Cassavetti's perfect for film nerds and John junkies." I'll be tuning into the next episode for sure. This was written by my friend Joseph. Aww, yeah, he's a nice so. guy, but I think he would only write it if he meant it. So it's not like of a hitty review. He's totally sincere. Joseph is the uh, works at Bushwick Film Festival and does programming. So nice. he's in the biz. Cool guy. Well, very I mean, nice. We're in the biz right now. Too, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Joseph. Different way. Joseph for, for doing that. And um, I hope you, I hope you like the show still. I hope that your feelings about the show haven't changed. May you live a long life. Do you want to read review number two? I do want to read. Oh shit. Why are you yelling? I, I'm just worried because now people are going to find that I'm actually, I actually can't read. Uh, <laughs> for sure. This, Can you just read? The, this is from Peter Rock with an Pete exclamation Rock. point. Or, oh, actually Peter Rock. Sorry. Say, I can't read. Uh, November 20th. They're starting at the top. I love that they're starting with the greatest, John Cassavetes. I love that they're talking about these films in a loose way with humor. I'm putting that in quotation marks. Yeah, he put it in quotation marks and then put a middle finger. Humor and without pretense. JC would approve. Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We're a religious podcast. We'll see if we'll see if my love is still there when they get to love streams, but I bet it is. Rock on, guys. That's really nice. Now, you called this review vaguely threatening, and I don't know why. I did, yeah. Well, because it says, uh, we'll see. Do you think it's like going to be a hostage love. situation? We'll see if my love is still there when they get to love streams. But I'm just also realizing that that might just be also a pun. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. We'll see. But thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Yeah, so Pete, Thank you for Pete, the many stars. Pete is Peter Rinaldi. And the many loves. Who hosts an amazing an podcast. Loves. What are you talking about? Sorry. Peter hosts an amazing podcast called Back to One where he interviews uh, actors. And he nice. just interviewed Willem fucking Dafoe. Whoa. Yeah, he interviewed Willem Dafoe. The see, Green when I Goblin said, himself? See, when I said actors, you were like, mm, who is he interviewed? Yeah. And I was like, he just interviewed Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Let me just read a quick list of the people, because I subscribe and listen to um, Peter's podcast. Um, he had on Melissa Leah, Willem nice. Dafoe, Chloe Grace Moritz, Ben Foster, Bo Burnham, Jim Cummings, who uh, follows us on Twitter, Catherine Hahn, Thank you, Jim. who's like a living legend. Yeah. Um, Ashley Atkinson, who's was in Black Landsman, is like Brooklyn's own. Uh, Raul Castillo, who's incredible. Topher Grace. Um, it's the best podcast I've ever listened to on acting. Uh, it's amazing. And yeah. What's it called again? It's Sorry. called Back to One, Definitely. and it's um, produced by Filmmaker Magazine. So, nice. so uh, I mean that's impressive. But I mean we've. Have, have Marty have Scorsese. Marty Scorsese. Yeah. yeah, sorry. So did yeah. you get Marty Scorsese for your podcast, Peter? Yeah. Hmm. Finally. Finally. We got an email from Joseph Rangeli. Joe is um, a Brooklyn native son. This is my favorite Brooklynite. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a film lover, a filmmaker. And um, he sent us the poster for a film called the Incubus. The Incubus. Um, it's a it's a it's film from nineteen eighty two. Film nineteen eighty two. It was directed by um, 
not John Cassavetes, but he John stars Ho? in it. And he stars in it. And the poster, which we'll, we'll post on social media. It's fucking amazing, um, says, the dreams, the nightmares, the desires, the fears, the mystery, the revelation, the warning, the incubus. And then below that? What does it say, George? He is the destroyer. Wow. Deep. So, interesting it, fact. Go ahead. Oh, no. I just quickly read the description of it on the John Cassavetes. What is, what is it? What is, what's the description of it? It's just, it sounds like a batch of crazy. It's about, literally, it's about a demon who apparently goes around uh, raping women. And it's supposed to potentially, somebody said, one of the reviewers said something like, oh, it might be like this interesting kind of treatise on male violence against women, but it just well, kind perfectly of, fitting with the Cassavetes. Yeah, canon. but apparently it doesn't do that. It's just kind of a really bad horror film. Mm. Also, apparently, it was his last film appearance, and he was dying. He just found out he was dying, and apparently, his stomach is distended, and oh, he looks God. like an alcoholic. Should we do a bonus on that? Maybe. All right. Well, I think we wrap it up there. <laughs> Thank you very much for um, bearing with for, us for 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 uh, sending in your jo- for sending for in your re- posters, your reviews. Please review. keep reviewing, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Uverbusters on Twitter. Uverbusters on Instagram. Um, also, again, we only collect our hate mail at. Fox News headquarters. So if you yeah, have anything negative there to and say about us, still directed, snail mail, still directed to Megyn Kelly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then if you if you'd like to get in touch beyond that, uh, Uverbusters at gmail dot com. Uverbusters. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Bye. 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 Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. I only have strong feelings. I don't. <laughs>